Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. About the Christian home and Christian parenting when it comes to giving. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, the Bible says in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Notice uh, as you already have, we're not in the Old Testament, and this is not Old Testament Jewish law. So this isn't between us as uh, a, a nation of Israel uh, under under Old Testament law. This is between you and God. This this in this here in Second Corinthians, this is between me and my God. This is between you and your God, us and our God. Verse number eight, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. And giving because you have thanksgiving to God is much better than you and I giving because we have been guilted or scared by a preacher or by a, a, a church. God will make all grace abound. And when you give and when I give our money, God, by his grace, if you're saved, will make you and make me not miss the money. God will do that. And that's really the heart of New Testament giving for a church. And look at verse 12. For the, ad, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving, many, many thanksgivings unto God. <clears throat> so why must a New Testament church allow a way for God's people to give? <laughs> because God has made that as a way for people to serve. That's one of the ways his saints serve. You see that in verse 12, it says it right there for the administration of this service. Giving is it's referred to as service. And it's a really important truth to get a hold of. Look at verse 13. While it's by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection under the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them. And unto all men. 
Here's a good verse to use about someone that's maybe iffy on giving. Experiment with it. <laughs> I mean, it says it right there. Uh, it says, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, just try it. Ask him to try it. And, you know, look, not everybody is called to be a preacher. Not everybody's called to be a missionary to a foreign land or, or a stateside land, for that matter. Um depending on who you talk to many would say that uh well you're, you're you know you guys fortunados aren't missionaries because they didn't cross an ocean you know and and people having their idea that you know if you somehow get this ticket and get on a plane and you have three stops and you end up you know in the middle of the jungles of somewhere now all of a sudden you've become a missionary well that's not really accurate You could say we're all missionaries. That would be a fair assessment. But just because you don't cross a sea, that doesn't mean anything. Just because you don't cross a state line, that doesn't mean it. We all should do the mission work that God has called us to do. Let, let's leave it at that. But I said all of that really to bring the point home that If you can't go, give. Because just like everyone can't be a missionary or can't be a preacher because they're not called by God to do so, in like manner, not everybody can be a doctor. Not everybody can be a lawyer. Not everybody can be a tradesman. But if you are, give. If you can't go, give. That helps the evangelistic efforts of God's church. Well, you know, I wasn't able to go to the, um, the outreach on Saturday. And, you know, my schedule's just booked up because of work for this year. And Okay, well, give. You, you're playing a part in that who saved the soul. It's God. It's not because Brother Charles is out there and he talked to the guy. And the guy trusted Christ. Yeah, but the guy that didn't go, that gave, and then we had the money to buy the tracks and put the tent up and pay for it. Everybody plays a part in the gospel. And we have this idea, well, if you don't cross the sea, you don't cross the state line, you're not out there, and you're not. Hold on. Giving is service to God. And if you can't go, give. Yes, we can all give with our time. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but this afternoon's message is about money, our mammon, our dinero, our cash, uh, the stuff we use to buy stuff. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about giving money, giving money. When missionaries come through, you know what they're all going to say? We need your prayers. You know what they all need as well? Your money. They're here for money. And we should be giving them money. Because they need money to buy stuff and eat and go through all of the suffering that they're going to go through because they don't have American convenience. And it just might be kind of nice for the pastor's wife to just be able to have one hot meal a day. So we give to missionaries for that reason. And maybe their kids 
that maybe the last kid, maybe the fourth kid can actually get a new pair of shoes rather than the fourth hand-me-down and the soles are already worn out. That's why we give money. And that's why I'm speaking about this tonight. And maybe I don't talk about money enough. Preachers are always uh, stuck between a rock and a hard place on this because if you talk about money, there's people that hear it and say, well, the preacher is only about the money. And that's not accurate. The preachers, some preachers are. Doesn't mean all preachers are. That doesn't mean we are. But it also means money is necessary for the work to go on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians now, and let's get chapter number 16. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse number one. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, meaning right now in the New Testament churches, that's the order right now. Concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. There is an ordered way of giving. It's through a local church. When, verse number two, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So first day of the week, why? To give. Now, maybe you give monthly, maybe you give quarterly, maybe you get, look, however you want to do that, fine. But the idea is that People didn't, the order of the New Testament church wasn't, I come, I sing, I hear preaching, I go home. It was, I come with money. And then I sing and hear preaching. And then I go out and actually live my life as a Christian, living as a Christian. And then I come back and I do the same thing. You know what God wants? He wants us to bring cash. And give it so that the work of the ministry and the work of the gospel can go on. He does. And if me as a father, you as a father, a mother, a grandfather, grandmother, if we don't teach our children to give, they're not going to give. They might grow up and learn it from somebody else, but if they don't see you giving, they're not going to have that pattern of training. Train up a child, right? Kids, grab some money. I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying we don't do it. We don't have the Sunday school class where the Sunday school teacher walks around with a can and the kid pitch coins. I'm not saying that's of the devil, none of that. All I'm saying is that why does the Sunday school teacher have to do that? Now, our, our, our Sunday school teacher doesn't do that, but why do some Sunday school teachers need to do things like that? Because the parents aren't teaching the kids to give. So the Sunday school teacher has to rattle some coins. Hey, make sure you bring. 
Now, maybe that's needed in some churches. Because if the parents are teaching them, then the Sunday school teacher is, I guess, is going to have to teach those kids to give. Well, Sunday school isn't in the Bible. Well, giving is in the Bible and you don't do that. We as parents and, and grandparents, we need to teach young people how to give. And when they see us spend all our money on other things and we never bring any money for the work of the gospel, that's not biblical. That's not right. But notice when it says lay by him in store in verse number two of first Corinthians. Back in Malachi chapter number three, the Old Testament, the last book. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. In the Old Testament, there was a storehouse. And they brought things into the storehouse. And the Bible says that there may be meat in mine house. We're going we'll, we'll to we'll do the whole tithe lesson. Maybe we'll do it next week because it'll probably fit in real nice. But the storehouse in the Old Testament was where the people brought their tithes. And in Malachi, it says that it was that there may be meat in my house. They brought food, was the tithes, and they put it in the storehouse. And I say that because in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 2, watch what it says. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay up by him in store. Well, where's the storehouse now? Lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, prospered him. You're designating something at home. You're looking at what you have. And you're looking at how God has prospered your family. And without a preacher doing an emotional appeal on you, you are going over that with your family, how God has prospered you. And through the thankfulness of your heart, now you're ready to give and you're ready to come to the church house and you're ready to give to God's work because you've seen how God has prospered you. And it's got nothing to do with the preacher making an emotional appeal or you you trying to do an, an emotional appeal in front of people so that they see, oh, look how much I gave. You've all heard stories about, yeah, the rich business guy that just runs the church. That's not right. That's just as wrong as me playing on your heartstrings and giving you an emotional guilt trip and trying to spiritualize it into making you give. It's equally as wrong for someone to come in and play the flashing cash game. It's the same thing. They're just trying to buy the appeal. At our own homes, let's look how God has prospered us. And then every one of us should give. Why? Because we just love God. That's why. Well, what if I don't give? What's going to happen? God's going to curse your house. God's going to curse your kids. God's going to curse your job. No, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. 
You'll miss out on giving. That is what will happen. You'll miss out on that blessing. And you're not going to get a letter in the mail from Pilgrim Baptist that says you didn't send your tithes in. You know, you get a knock on the door. Dad, preacher's here. Uh, what can I do for you, preacher? Yeah, well, I just noticed you didn't send your tithes in. I'm just here to kind of collect. <laughs> what? That kind of tomfoolery happens. Preachers are calling and emailing, or the deacon board's calling and emailing. And I'm not kidding. Seen something on Facebook. It literally was a church a few towns away. And the person took a picture of the letter and posted it on Facebook that she got from the church because she missed her tithes. Mm -hmm. Is that all churches? No. But when somebody sees that, that's not a Christian, guess what they think? That's all churches. See? It's not what. It's not always what we do and what we believe. A lot of it is what lost people perceive we do and perceive we believe. This is why keeping ourselves above reproach and having a good testimony is of utmost importance. I know it won't save anybody, and I know you know that. But this world is against Christianity, and if they see one church do something sour, they think everybody's sour, and it's not so. But God does want us to give. Um, the blessing that you'll get is just the blessing of what it feels like to give to the Lord. Um, if, if Israel gave that verse in Malachi, we'll look more at it that doctrinally next week. I think that'll be a good fit. But when, when the nation gave their tithes and it went into the storehouse and it went to that uh, priest, they, they were blessed. They were blessed physically by God. I mean, that's an Old Testament principle that we can see very clearly. What does the prosperity gospel do? Well, doctrinally, they take truth that applied to Old Testament Jews. And now they make it a part of New Testament Christianity. And it's not. It is not. When that nation gave, God did bless them physically and he blessed their land physically. But that is not, has nothing to do with New Testament Christianity at all. They were an earthy people, it was a physical nation, and we'll get into that next week. We don't give for physical blessings. If you give money, God is not going to uh, double your house, your, your, your real estate, okay? And those of us that are into farming might like that. It'd be nice to have an extra five acres plot. But if you think that giving the pilgrim is doing all, God's not going to give you some more acreage because of that. Now, if you're an Old Testament Jew, you might have a plentiful crop come up, but that's a different deal. Anyway, that's that. Preachers aren't the preachers I know, the preachers that I've learned from, they're not in it for the money. But I know some so-called preachers are just turn on the tv and it really does give us a bad name and it's it's hard to get over that 
uh, because that's just how people think. First Timothy five. Verse number 17, it says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. The scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. God's saying that People that labor in the word, it's not uh, it, it's not like a sermon just drops down from heaven. You're studying. And the men that have been assigned lessons, you might have an outline, you might have a text, but you're studying. And you know how much time that takes you to put a lesson together so that people can listen and get some edification from it. Uh, we're not grabbing, you know, free sermon download.com or whatever it is. And, you know, you, all of them are half the same, you know, they, it's the same screen on the thing. And, uh, you know, the guy's preaching off an internet sermon that he that, that, that they got, cause they just send them out and it's all the same sermon. You listen to any one of them, it's the same thing. Well, look, if I preached like that, it'd be pretty easy. But that's not what we do. We study the word because I want to get a blessing out of God's word, just like you do, man, when you when you teach. So, yeah, you might have a text, you might have an outline, but you are studying, you are laboring. And that does require work. Um, that means that when I'm studying. I'm not sitting down, spending time with my wife. I'm, I'm laboring in the word. And when I'm studying, it means I'm not throwing the football with my son because I'm laboring in the word. You know, we did the Bible conference. It was three long days. Praise God. And then the next day was a long day because the kids had something. It was all day on that. Then the day after that was church, and that's all day. I think I said to the kids, well, now I'm just going to just sit down with mama. Well, you've seen mama. I said, no, we, we've been in the same room together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah, you too. We were in the same room together. As I was laboring and she was laboring and everybody was laboring. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say is preachers labor. And one of the reasons that some, not all, but some, have their own problems at home is because they're so busy laboring for other people that they have forgotten their own family. Now preachers need to be careful of that. So you need to get, we just schedule all time. I said all that to say it is labor. It is labor. This isn't a 20 minute pep talk with an hour of peppy music. We're trying to do it right. And God says, look, it's, there's nothing wrong with the preacher uh, taken home, for lack of a better term, to stay current. Cash. Nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, First Thessalonians 5. 
Yeah, First Thessalonians 5. Um, it says in verse number 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. Boy, oh boy, these verses. It's hard when you're a preacher to talk about this stuff sometimes. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. Now, note that. I try to be conscious of that. I try not to be uh, a preacher that's just in a minute before service and then out a minute after service. I try to be among the people. I think that's biblical. I'm a sheep, just like you're a sheep, trying to serve the good shepherd. There's some patterns there of pastors and teachers and that reflection of a shepherd that's under the good shepherd. And so there is, there is that because it goes on to say, uh, to know them with labor, labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Let's key in on the in the Lord part. People just like, well, no one's going to be over me. Yeah, but in the Lord, God said it's okay. And admonish you. Now, that's a tough part. You have to warn people. You have to counsel people. You have to caution people. You have to advise people. And God's watching. You got to just think long and hard if you want to be a preacher. You have to think long and hard if you want to be a missionary. Because it's one thing to give bad advice to a workmate and you lose money on the job. <laughs> it's another thing to give spiritual advice to somebody and they take it and it was wrong advice. They just got to think long and hard if you think the Lord's calling you into uh, a ministry missionary or pastoral service. Nobody really gets excited about the admonishing part, but they know that it's there. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love. Why? Just for their work's sake. That's all. Just for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. <laughs> Don't fight over how much the preacher's getting or how much he's not getting. Just everybody be at peace. Don't fight about it. But it is, it is a biblical principle. Now go to Mark 12. Because this really should smite all our hearts. Mark chapter number 12. Bible says in verse number 42. Mark 12, 42. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now, a farthing, they say, is worth about a quarter of a penny. So I guess if you had four pennies in, in those days, it would be a farthing. It, it's really hard to put an exact amount on it. But two mites, you can guesstimate, was a third of a penny or an eighth of a penny. Somewhere around there. It wasn't worth a penny. That's what she gave. People say, I'm poor today. That and living in America, to me, doesn't register in my mind. Because the poorest person in America has at least a penny in their pocket. So there isn't any reason why everyone shouldn't be coming in and starting off with one penny. 
And I try, I try best I can to encourage my kids to bring on something in for the offering box and, and let go. You want, you want the kids to own it. You want them to own it. I try to do the same thing from the pulpit. Yes, we're doing a specific message on money, on giving money, and on giving money to the church. We're not hiding that, making no bones about it. But we don't harp on it because it's now the ball's in your court. You go to God and you ask God what he would have you to give. Now, I'll give you testimony about my parents. The Roman Catholic Church would give you offering up. And you would have a number. You get your box every six months or every year. And every single one of those envelopes, whatever your last name was, had a number. That number would be printed on that envelope. And if there was a high holy day or a special day, you know, it was in a different color and it encouraged you to give even more. And you say, well, that's Roman Catholicism. Well, wait, let me get to the, I'm going to get to the point of this. My, I saw my dad and my mom give consistently every week in those envelopes something went into the basket now I, I you know i've teased some of the preachers that i know about doing this of course we'll never do it but it's to me it's funny it might not be funny to you but in roman catholicism you didn't have an offering box and you didn't have a, and you didn't have a plate that was passed around you had a basket and the basket was about this big of a basket and it had a long stick like longer than a pool stick and the men that would do the collection would walk down the aisle and the basket, he'd start with the basket and the basket would stretch from the one side of the pew and he would just extend his arm as people just drop cash in, drop their envelopes in all the way down to the last person and then they'd bring it back. And then there was usually four of them. They'd all come together into the front and they'd dump it all into one big basket. And that was a big, that was a big thing. Now, we're not going to do that here, but let me say this. Everybody saw, the young people saw the parents giving. And I saw my dad and my mom give their money. Now, we weren't dirt poor, but we were poor. My dad worked two jobs so he can pay for us to go to religious schooling rather than the public schooling. And that costs money. And so... Six kids. It's a lot of money. The people say, well, I don't have the money. I just have too many kids. I don't have the money. I just have too many hobbies. I don't have the money. I just have too many vacations. I don't have the money. I just, this just doesn't jive with me. I just don't feel any sympathy or nothing. Because I saw what my parents sacrificed. And I've seen what other parents have sacrificed. And they're still able to give. When we don't bring money to God's house for God's work, and we say, well, the preacher, I don't want to give him a raise. The preacher, I don't want. That's a wrong hard attitude. Our hard attitude should be this. God will make up the difference.
I can spend 35 minutes, which I want, testifying on how God made up the difference on things where money was lost. A decision was made in the favor of not a prophet. <laughs> because you really can live your life always trying to figure out what the next prophet's going to be. I've been in business since I was 23 year old. Year old. There isn't much someone's going to pull over my eyes when it comes to business. There's just not much. I've been dealing with people for a long time. I know some things about business. And I know the trap that people can fall into and always getting roped into, well, you better not do that because that might not be a good return on investment. I was preaching outside the theater in, in our town in New Jersey. Josiah was just a baby. And we'd go downtown. Cheyenne rolled him in the stroller. He'd be in the stroller. Cheyenne rolled him in. He'd be there. People would recognize me from the town because of my reputation as owning a business. And I received many comments, not mean and nasty, just, why are you doing that? You could be, and I, it, it would give me an opportunity to speak to them. Why? But this life isn't all about money. It's not all about your reputation. I know a lawyer. Not everybody is gifted and has an opportunity to become a lawyer. You become a lawyer, that's a pretty big accomplishment, wouldn't you say? Stands out in the town where he is a lawyer, on the square, and publicly holds a sign that Christ Jesus came into the world, saves in it, and will give gospel tracts out to people that pass by in his own town as a lawyer. That'll cost him money. I want us to really get a hold of our giving and our money at Pilgrim Baptist. I really do. Um, look at Matthew 6, because this is the heart of the matter. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 19. Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor uh, doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also I know how much things cost. We have older kids that we sent to Christian school. We know how much Christian school costs. We've been on family vacations. I know how much flights cost. I know how much vacations cost. We have eaten out before. I know how much money it costs to feed a family of four. And sometimes if we don't buy soft drinks, we can get it to about 20 21 dollars 
dad's in a good mood, maybe he'll say, okay, you can get some soft drink. But between $20 and $35, we can, we can eat out as a family of four. If you can't bring 10 bucks to the church house, it's nothing wrong with me saying that. It's wrong with the heart of the hearer hearing that. I don't want to be that type of Christian. I'm not saying you're that type of Christian. I'm bringing the truth out so that maybe somebody that's listening is going to get a hold of that. I was in sports, athletics. I know how much the equipment costs. You can't get the generic brand because you don't want it to break down in half a season. So you get, you spend double to get the brand that's going to, I know how, I know how much all this stuff costs and we spend our money on it. I'm not here to say, don't do that. What I'm here to say is if you can spend all your money, we farm, you don't make money in farming. You go to tractor supply and if you farm, tractor supply makes money off of you farming. That's the way that works. Okay, if you have chickens and you're going to have eggs, you 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 lose money on the deal. You don't make money on, on, on you don't save money because you don't have to go to Walmart and buy eggs. It costs you more for eggs. I enjoy doing. It. Teaches the kids how to work. Family bonding time. But I know how much all that stuff costs. I know how much it costs. Here's what I'm saying. If you're putting all your money into that and you don't have five bucks to give to the church house in a month, it's not, I'm not the problem saying it. The heart of the hearer is the problem. And if you continue to read on verse number 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will hold to the one and despise the other life. You cannot serve God and man. It's not going to happen. Last verse that we'll turn to. Who are you going to serve? <clears throat> and people say, well, the church. You can't give to the churches now because, you know, it's a government 501c3 and they have a bank account and bank accounts weren't in the, weren't in the Bible. And uh, they come up with all of these reasons, these government reasons, yet they pay the government their taxes. They drive on government roads. They give money to the government but they complain about giving money to a New Testament church. It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But you can't serve God in mammon. You're going to love one, hate the other. Remember the Bible conference? And though, 1 Corinthians 13, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profited me nothing. Uh, a couple of preachers brought out this idea that, you know, the world's definition of charity is we're giving out things. 
to the poor, right? It's a charitable thing. Yet in this verse, it's talking about bestowing your goods to feed the poor. And as you're doing that, if you call it a charitable gift, but you're just doing it for a show, just because you've got a desire for everyone to see how much you gave, the Bible says you don't have charity. It's a heart's desire to just want to give to God. And that's why Acts 20, we'll finish on this one. Acts 20, verse 35. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Verse 35, I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, I'll leave you with this. Young people get this. I pray your parents are teaching you how to give and compelling you to give and, and showing you by their example that they give. And I pray that the Sunday school teacher would, would do the same. The men that teach in the, the, the Bible here for Sunday school would have that, that same arch attitude. But in case you miss it from all of that, this is what Jesus told you. So learn from Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you don't give your money, it don't matter to me a hell of beans. But you lose the blessing that Jesus said is there for you. And it's not going to be an increase of your acreage or your cattle. It's going to be an increase of the spiritual blessing that God will bestow upon you because you've trusted him to make up the difference and just provide what you could provide. Just give because you love God. That's all. That's all. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.